Well, markets are now expecting the Fed will go higher with rates this year after that surprise with job numbers last week. And in Australia, inflation is remaining pretty entrenched. So could that mean the RBA is also going to turn more hawkish? They are expected to raise rates by 25 basis points today, but they could go higher. And if not, well, they could be giving strong hints for more hikes than expected in subsequent meetings. We don't have to wait long. It's RBA Day today. It is Tuesday, the 7th of February, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar is racing further ahead up another 0.7% on the DXY, back over over 103.6, which is close to where it started the year. That's seen the Aussie dollar down 0.6% this morning, down to 68.8 US cents. The euro is down by a similar amount, and US shares down again, a 1% drop in the Nasdaq and 0.6% down for the S&P 500 at close, and a 0.1% drop for the Dow. Bigger falls in Europe, the euro stocks 50, down 1.2%, and bond yields pushing higher from yesterday, another 11 basis points on US 10-year treasuries, now up to 3.64% from below 3.4% just before last week's payroll numbers. And two-year treasuries are up 19 basis points today, edging towards 4.5% from just 4.1% last Thursday. And oil pushing high as well, 1.6% up for Brent, up over $81 right now. So those payroll numbers clearly still making their impact felt and we've got the rba today uh aussie shares down yesterday as well of course and newcrest being one of the uh, exceptions as it emerges as a takeover target so let's look at what uh, what's going to happen today i'm joined by jb with sally old in uh, sydney so it seems like the markets have had time to take in those job numbers from the u.s dismiss this recession talk and up their expectations for a m- more proactive fed uh, so are we looking at a higher terminal rate now? Is that what the markets are telling us? Yeah, good morning, Phil. Absolutely. I think that's what's going on uh, overnight. Markets have had a little bit of time to digest, I think, the full implication of those numbers. And they've been helped along by, you know, I think some still quite hawkish rhetoric from central bank officials in Europe, uh, in the UK, and and also in the US and the message from all those officials has been you know effectively don't don't get too far ahead on the journey you know we still think we've got more rate hikes uh, to do and as you said a pretty decent sell off in the front end of the US treasury curve as the market is starting mm. to think well actually chair Powell told us um, last week that you know it wouldn't be a further increase it would be further increases in the fed funds rate and so starting to price in a, a terminal rate um, you know closer to five and a quarter percent in the and, u.s and the idea that they will cut interest rates later on in, in the year is that rapidly diminishing now i mean that's still priced in to a certain extent um, but less so than a, than perhaps it was you know a week or or two ago because i think people are starting to understand that um, at the very least, you know, the Fed might only have a couple more hikes to do. But, um, you know, when the economy is adding 500,000 jobs and the unemployment rate sits at a, you know, a multi-decade low, then that's not the sort of environment where the central bank is usually starting to cut rates. Um, so I think this will be the, the sort of dynamic that markets are are probably having to going to, to, to entertain, I think, over the next couple of months, particularly if the data remain you know, reasonably robust, which they have in, in both Europe and also the US of late. Yeah. Well, if we're starting to use the resilience word rather than the recession word, 
uh, which, which seems to be the case, then, uh, you know, we were never expecting a recession for Australia, but we, we saw a dip in retail sales in the December quarter. But in volume terms, we learned yesterday, not much of a dip, a dip just a 0.2% drop. So, I mean, given the fact that sales were brought forward by, uh, you know, by all the online specials in November, uh, that you know, that's a, a not a big uh, drop in retail sales. And we also saw a slow, uh, slowdown in retail price growth as well, uh, the smallest rise in the year. So that's, you know, definitely retail showing a fair degree of resilience. Yeah, that's right. So the retail numbers have been a little bit difficult to, to get a handle on, as, as you mentioned, because we did see that big decline for December, but then we know that maybe the ABS hasn't quite got its seasonal adjustment process worked out given how popular the Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales in November mm. are proving. So I think most economists took that big decline in December with with a grain of salt. Um, and as you said, the, the volumes number, so where we don't worry about what prices did, but let's actually have a look at the volumes. They were down in the quarter, um, but only by a little bit. And in fact, the third quarter number was revised up a touch. Um, and so I think this is consistent. You know, when we look at the listed sector, we had a couple of retailers give trading updates. Uh, JB Hi-Fi was one, Super Retail was another, and they were telling the market that the fourth quarter, so those three months to December, were really robust um, in terms of foot traffic and sales. So um, I think what that tells you is, you know, the economy was still doing pretty well in the fourth quarter of 2022, which is you know, in an important sort of context for today's RBA meeting. Well, it is. And, you know, and also given what's happening overseas as well. So, I mean, I don't think anyone's denying it's going to be 25 basis points today for the RBA up to 3.35%, which, let's remember, is the highest since 2012. But, I mean, it's still well below the Fed and the RBNZ. So, if inflation isn't tamed at this meeting and the next you know, perhaps the one after, I don't know, uh, then, you know, there's plenty of room to, to move. I mean, it's a 90 basis point gap between the RBA and the RBNZ if they push ahead with 25 basis points today. That's still a 90 basis point gap. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's interesting because we know that the burden of proof for rate hikes gets heavier, you know, the longer the tightening cycle has been in place. So the RBA has gone from a cash rate of 10 basis points to, to a cash rate of 3.1 in a very short space of time. And so, you know, that, that would mean that as they get closer to the end, they've got to make sure that there are all the right reasons for lifting rates. Um, and I think today is a pretty clear case of, of having a, an, an, a, an easy sort of decision in the sense that those inflation numbers that we saw for the fourth quarter, you know, yes, the headline number came in a bit below where the RBA thought it would land, so 7.7% um, rather than 8 but the core number surprised on the upside. Mm. Services inflation um, is still rising Sequentially, and that's the part of the the inflation complex that tends to be a bit more persistent, tends to be sticky, and is very, I think, you know, well related to what's going on in the labour market. And then, of course, you know, you had all those charts showing you that somewhere between seventy five and eighty percent of the inflation basket is still growing at a at an annual rate of greater than three percent. So it's telling you that the inflationary pressures are still pretty pretty broad. Um, so I'd be really shocked and quite surprised if the RBA thought it could sit pat in the face of, of those numbers. And then, of course, as you mentioned, you know, we've got a better global backdrop. And that was something that seemed to be causing the RBA, you know, quite some anxiety, I think, particularly in the fourth quarter of last year. They were really worried about the global backdrop, the outlook for Europe, the outlook for China. And both those two things have changed for the better quite significantly uh, since the RBA um, last met in early December. So I think that's significant. 
And then you've got this story that, you know, other central banks are still going. Um, and we know, you know, what big global central banks are doing does matter for the RBA and they do pay attention. So the fact that the Fed's still tightening, telling the market it's got more to do, you know, the Bank of England um, was out overnight. Some of the officials saying, you know, we've probably still got more to do. Um, likewise, the ECB, what that really means is that the window is still very much open for the RBA to, to go. Um, and as we were just talking about, it feels like the economy on net was pretty robust over the summer. So the labour market still remains pretty tight. Um, yes, housing is softening, and you would expect that given that it's the most interest rate sensitive part of the economy. But um, in general, things still feel pretty robust. So I think the case for doing a 25 is 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 pretty obvious. Um, I think what will be interesting is when we get the minutes, um, you know, I think the market maybe a week ago was sort of saying, oh, look, the, the call will be between pausing and a 25. Um, my sense was that I think they could possibly consider whether or not they should do 50 um, <clears throat> in, in light of those. In- not, not, to, not today, but at the next meeting. Or you think Well, maybe they'll, they'll say, well, today. you know, we, we talked about the possibility of doing it and in, in the end we didn't. But, um, you know, I think everything's on the mm. table today. I think ultimately they'll, they'll go with a 25, but it wouldn't surprise me to see in the minutes in a couple of weeks' time that they actually considered whether or not they should do a 50 basis point rate. So, I mean, I mean, this seems like it's it's unlikely that after 25, they're going to stop, it is, it's, if I'm reading what you're saying. So, I mean, because there was a question about whether they'd pause after this. It sounds like you're saying, well, that's not likely. But how far do they go then? Do they go up to, I mean, I know the 25 would take you to 3.6%. I mean, do, they, do, they, do we find them getting as high as 4% later on in the year? Anything seems possible, doesn't it, in this uh, Yeah, well, they've effectively said, you know, we're at the point in the cycle where we're very data dependent. So we know in December, they, mm. the minutes told us that they talked about pausing, they talked about doing a 25, they talked about doing a 50. And I think that was the bank's way of basically saying everything's on the table and whatever we deliver, it'll depend on the data. So, you know, we know um, in a couple of weeks, we have the fourth quarter wages number. I think that's going to be very significant for the RBA. Um, You know, my sense is, is that that might surprise on the upside as well. And I think if it does, then they'll have little choice but to deliver another 25 in March. And then perhaps I think they might have earned the right just to to pause for a while because I think by that point we will be starting to see a broader softening in some of the domestic data. Um, And so, um, you know, that they will be getting closer to a point where they feel like they might have done enough on rates um, to to be comfortable that inflation is, is going to return to target over a reasonable time frame. So I don't think we're too far away from the pause, but I, but, I, but I do think, as you noted, it's important to just to be mindful of the fact that we could have a scenario where if the, the price and the wage data don't start to show signs of, of responding to more restrictive monetary policy, then the pressure will be on the RBA to keep going. And that data, I mean, or data, uh, depending, depending where you come from, uh, it's it's hard to read, isn't it? Because it is. I, I mean, Tapas was saying yesterday, you know, we should feel sorry for central bankers. I think that's just because that's the environment he comes from. Uh, but um, but I did, for a second there, I did feel sorry for them, but not for long. Uh, but, you know, the, the numbers are all over the place. We had, uh, for example, in Europe, just as, a, for example, retail sales for December down 2.7% after an upward revision for November up to 1.2%. But, mm-hmm. uh, but, that, but that 2.7% fall was more than expected. But on the upside, 
German factory orders yesterday up 3.2% month on month for December. I mean, the expectation was 2%, and that was after a 4.4% fall in November. So, and part of the reason for the increase in December was because there were lots of large equipment orders. So, lots of electrical distribution equipment and engines and turbines and aircraft and stuff like that. We take that out and actually fell 0.6%. So, I mean, first of all, numbers are all over the place. And secondly, there's a lot of headline numbers that have got, you know, the truth is hiding well, well beneath it. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. And this is often what happens when economies are at turning points where you get, um, you know, conflicting signals from from data. And, and as you said, it's quite difficult to work out what is happening. And so we've got the data which tells us what happened in the past. And we know that central banks are actually meant to be forward looking and thinking about, you know, where inflation is going to land in 18 to 24 months time. So, um, it's important not to get sort of too caught up in the data that was and think about, you know, how things are going to transpire over the next couple of years. But yes, European retail sales definitely weaker. Most of the spending there was really on um, petrol or automotive fuel. Everything else looked pretty soft in December. And those factory orders, as you said, they've been pretty choppy in the fourth quarter down in November, up in December. Um, I think, but on net, what they tell you is that the fourth quarter was was weak. But then, you know, in Europe, we know that some of the manufacturing surveys have improved of late. German car production is looking better. Energy prices are lower. And you put all those things together, probably tells you that, you know, there is cause for optimism um, in terms of a better outlook for manufacturing going forward. So, um the issue in Europe, I think, is is still to do with what core inflation is doing and what wages data are doing. And even though headline inflation is coming off probably a bit more quickly than people thought in that neck of the woods, the core measure is still pretty sticky and wages um, are still reasonably elevated. And that's, I think, what is going to be the motivation for the ECB to do at least one, if not two more rate hikes yeah. um, over the course of the next couple well, of months. Food prices seem sticky everywhere, don't they? That's one of the uh, one of the contentious mm. elements of CPI. Uh, just on Japan as well, uh, Tapas York yesterday, uh, talked yesterday about how, uh, you know, the, the possible replacement for Governor Kuroda is, uh, I think it's the deputy governor, isn't it, Who's, who was talking about being mm-hmm. replacing him, in which case we would see the continued uh, buying of bonds to control the yield curve rather than uh, uh, the chance of rate rises uh, i think that that's been denied in the news today but if we look at yields as a response to that news we're not going to see it of course because the bank's buying them uh, but if we look at the yen uh well it's down about 1.2 percent on the us dollar but not you know given that the, the strength of the us dollar that's not really a significant move so markets don't seem too fussed by the news perhaps because they're not quite sure it's going to happen just yet yeah no i think that's right so you know i think there was a sense that you know where the deputy governor to be appointed it was it was probably a case of um more of the same and, and maybe just took some of the heat out of expectations that there was a, a huge shift coming in Bank of Japan policy, um, and then as you said, that was that was sort of later denied. So I think the market sort of sitting there saying, mm. "Well, you know, we don't we don't really know what's going to happen." Um, and as you said, you know, US dollar's been stronger, yen's been weaker, um, but really on on net, I think this is all sort of just generally noise um, for the market, and yeah, 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 not much, not really much to to sort of 
to worry about yeah, no, at this point. Other things mm. to focus on. Yeah, it's a bit like the uh, rogue weather balloons from China, <laughs> isn't it? The uh, you know, the st- I mean, just, the, there's a story that literally is blowing over or blowing out of the sky in that case. Uh, look, uh, we've got Australia's trade balance today, uh, the US trade balance as well, German in- industrial production. Jerome Powell's going to be talking early tomorrow. It's going to be interesting to see what he's got to say, uh, given, you know, all the talk about a more hawkish stance and also Governor Macklem from the Bank of Canada as well. Similarly, uh, just how hawkish will they be? is the question that's exactly right and maybe the market sort of you know priced in some chance that that power will push back on on some of the market reaction post the fomc meeting Mm. last week um but you know given that the market's now largely priced a a sort of terminal rate of five and a quarter hard to see how much further it could it could go on powell's comments if if they're sort of broadly balanced as they were last week uh, he'll be thinking at long last. You're seeing things the way I am. I think that's probably <laughs> what he's thinking. Isn't it? Hey, we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Sally. We'll catch you again very soon. Good to have you on. Cheers, Phil. Bye-bye. And that's it. That is today's morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. See you tomorrow morning.